This month has been full with space, but we're going to focus this week on the Starship SN8 launch, 12 and a half kilometers, coming down for a fantastic finish, and we're going to break down the whole thing and talk about what happened and what's next. Everybody and welcome to Today in Space. I am your space podcast host from the East Coast, Alex Girafanos, and there's so much space to talk about. I mean, December has been insane. I'm going to pull up a list here just, just to go through everything. I, I, I literally had a different episode set up last week. Uh, leading up to this week, I was writing it uh, after we did our interview with Cyril. I had a little bit of time. Uh, the last episode, CEO of uh, Vionis. Really great episode. I had a lot of fun there. But it gave me time to like put together an episode. And then the beginning of this week happened. There's too much going on. So let's go through this list. So we basically what I'm trying to say is I've completely changed the podcast. <laughs> Last minute here. And uh, we're, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants. But there's there's we're going to try and keep it focused. Because we had the Artemis astronauts chosen. We got to see which of our women astronauts are going to potentially be the first woman to land uh, and step foot on the moon. So we have nine astronauts there. I have a link in this episode's podcast if you want to read about all of them. NASA did a whole deep dive on all of those astronauts, all the human beings that are going to be selected for that Artemis generation of astronauts to do all those missions. So that happened. We now have two Dragon capsules, one crew and one cargo that are docked together on the ISS, which is the first time that's ever happened in history. And it's a beautiful sight. I mean, the Cargo Dragon CRS-21 launched successfully. And, uh, man, uh, the, the progress that we're making is insane. And I'm not even done. I'm on, I'm on number two of this list. NROL-44 finally launched after months of delay. So big congratulations to the United Launch Alliance, the Delta IV Heavy, another night launch for that, an amazing rocket. So we got to see that. Virgin Galactic, literally just before this podcast was recorded, we were watching the, the, the live stream from NASA Space Flight on Twitch because they were doing a test flight. And, uh, and, and Jack over there got an amazing view of that, doing remote camera, driving from place to place so that we could actually see that. So NASA Space Flight team, you guys are awesome. So Virgin Galactic Spaceship 2 aborted that mission, but that means all the pilots are safe and, and they get to try it again. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Astronaut Terry Verts was on the Joe Rogan Experience. That was a great podcast. I have like 40 minutes left of like a three-hour conversation. But uh, he was great on that. I'm looking forward to talking to Terry one day. Jax's Hayabusa 2 successfully returned. Soil sample from the surface of asteroid Ryugu. And Jax is in, in control of it. They're doing testing. And the mission itself got an extension. So it, it did a gravity uh, jump, a drop off, uh, uh, an asteroid return flyby, <laughs> and dropped off the supplies and went on to its next mission. And SpaceX performed the 12.5 kilometer suborbital test launch and landing of the Starship SN8, and they got extremely valuable data. So that's what we're going to focus our time on today on the podcast, is that Starship SN8 launch. We've had a bunch of people who have obviously been following that. I think it was like 650,000 people were watching the live stream as it happened, which is insane, absolutely insane. And it was one of the most exciting things that I've seen in a really long time, and I'm even going to share this uh, quick clip literally recorded myself right afterwards and a few minutes afterwards. So these are literally my first thoughts right after that. Let's take a look at that. All right, podcast listeners, you guys get this exclusive. I'm going to talk over the launch with the launch audio in the background. We're showing this on YouTube, so if you want to watch it and see kind of our compressed version of the SN8 launch coverage, uh, you can do that. Go check us out. Follow us. But here is our overview 
for that section. So we're going to play right now. So basically, the launch starts. And it started and stopped a whole bunch of times. Uh, there was two different days that it went across, and everyone on the team that was working on this is tremendous. Uh, and even the people like NASA Spaceflight that covered it is awesome. They stayed in for that long and still got this off. But the launch takes off from Boca Chica, Texas, and as you can hear, those raptors firing and... Uh, it was going up extremely straight. We saw those three Raptor engines full throttle this entire time. Just the fact that it lifted off the pad, that right away is a win. And yet it kept going higher and higher into orbit. One of the engines did conk off, uh, and then a second engine shut off. So the then there was only one Raptor left. Basically looked like the Starship was hovering in the air, and then that one finally cuts out. And it does the belly flop maneuver for the first time, the re-entry maneuver that we would be doing on Mars, we would be doing on the moon, uh, ideally. And it basically, this thing had never been done before. We're testing this. And then this Starship SN8 pulls over. We see the flaps actually doing their precision movements. All the stuff we learned from Falcon 9 back in the early days being approached to this totally different belly flop maneuver. And that was actually the most boring part, waiting for that to get to altitude, and it actually coming back down was the boring part of this. Uh, and then we see it do, uh, it, it lights two of the Raptor engines, does the spin maneuver to reorient the bottom straight down, turns its inertia back to get into the landing, it's right above the landing pad, it just doesn't have enough in there, enough thrust to slow down, and then a spectacular explosion. What a test. Oh my god. First attempt at launching a starship and landing it. And wow. Spectacular boom. That's why we test. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so, adrenaline's starting to wear off. Actually starting to be able to think about this. And that was an amazing test. That went really, really well. It's amazing that it even got as high as it did. It's amazing that they even got the position correct as it was coming back in. The first few Falcon 9 landings were way too hard. They came in way too fast, and they fixed that. Way to go, SpaceX. Elon Musk, you're a crazy, crazy mofo, man. Remember, never tell me the odds. And that's where we are. That was an amazing test launch. Now, it really is a remarkable, remarkable thing. We discussed it before. Obviously, we had our Starship models that we've 3D printed so we can use here to kind of do a little bit of a visual explanation, especially for the YouTube folks. But the ascent worked very well. I'm even going to pull up Elon Musk's tweets because... What they did was tremendous. They had a successful ascent. They switched over the header tank. So this is a whole other thing. When you're flying, right, uh, when, when the Starship's going to go up, there is the issue of gravity and how that propellant, the liquid propellant, is moving around in those tanks. There's two different tanks. There's the tanks for the engines for takeoff, which you're going you're gonna to get rid of all of it, right? Because as you're flying out, the 
the fluid is going to be pulled down to the bottom, so you're going to be able to, to pull out all the fuel you can to use in that rocket during ascent. And that went great. I, I heard uh, that they actually got a little bit higher than they actually thought they were going to. Uh, and they did a series of the engines actually, they had three firing all at once, full throttle while they were going up. And they actually slowly uh, cut off as they were going up, which at first I thought was a mistake, but I, if, it seems like that was their way to slow down the Starship's ascent as it came up for that backflip maneuver. But that's just me hypothesizing. If you guys actually know the answer or you guys want to uh, talk more about that, let me know. Or if you actually know, chime in here in the comments. But it did the ascent. It did the switchover from the header tank. So once, once all that fuel is done on its way up, it's got to be able to use the fuel as it comes back in after the belly flop to turn in. And when it's doing this, right, when you're going up vertically, all the fluid is on the bottom of the rocket. Gravity and the way that we're using force, it's forcing that down. But then when you do a belly flop, this rocket goes perpendicular from the way it was, which means if you have any liquid fuel going anywhere, that's going to be stuck to the side uh, of the fuel tank and not necessarily where you want to be pulling it from, which means you can't use the same fuel tank for a belly flop maneuver like this. So you need to have a header tank which they put right up top on the Starship so that you're able to, to pull it immediately when you refire those engines. And uh, the idea is that tank is completely full and separate from uh, your ascent fuel. Everything that SpaceX has learned from their Falcon 9 re-entries about using fins and, and flaps to, to reorient and give the, the rocket control on its way back and slow itself down as much as it can with air, being efficient with, with the environment, they were able to get Starship to do this crazy maneuver, belly flop, turn around, and come back in for the landing. The precision of that, the accuracy, I should say, of them actually sticking the landing on where they want it to be is amazing. And a lot of people are going to look at this as like some kind of a failure, and I saw a ton of stuff about that, but we'll, we'll rant about that in a second. I want to finish this. What... Elon uh, tweeted on December 9th uh, following that is that they realized the fuel header tank pressure was low during the landing burn. So that caused the touchdown velocity to, to, to be too high and an RUD, a, uh, got the term here. This is a SpaceX term, a rapid unscheduled disassembly. So not that it blew up, but that it just very quickly disassembled itself. <laughs> Unexpectedly. But they got all the data they needed for Mars, right? So this is an amazing, amazing step for SpaceX. And yet so many people were confused and, and maybe are just not used to this idea, especially with space flight, all the years of the space shuttle, you know, post-space shuttle era with, with the two disasters that we have. You know, I think people think that an explosion of any kind is a failure, and that couldn't be further from the truth with these test launches that SpaceX is doing. So tons of people in the comments Tons of people who are actually writing articles that were saying that this was a failure. Uh, not only is that just just sad clickbait, it it's just it's not at all coming from a perspective of what they're doing. This is R and D. This is research and development, right? You need to blow stuff up in R and D. That's that's what makes it fun. That's the amazing thing of doing R and D. You test, you break, you analyze, you see what what didn't work, what you what you got from data, you fix it up again, and you repeat. You make changes. 
that is at, at the at the rawest level the scientific process, but it's also the core at what development is, what what this testing is, and, and SpaceX is better than anybody else right now at doing rapid testing. And you know, if you look back at the Falcon Nine uh, landing over time and, and what they were doing, it it tells the story of not only what is the mantra of SpaceX. Like everyone that sees a Falcon Nine land right now, if you think it's routine. Uh, I, I feel sad for you because <laughs> it should still be exciting. This is, it hasn't even been that long. You know, we have a list here and I have a video here if you haven't seen it. If, if, if you are a person who didn't really understand why this is such an amazing thing that the rocket blew up and we're celebrating it, right? If that's, if that's how you see it, please go look at this video on SpaceX, their YouTube page. And it goes through, it, the video is literally called How Not to Land a, a Rocket. Like, it's all the times that they failed with the reasons that it failed, and it spans years. I mean, this list that we have here is from 2013 all the way through 2016, so three years of, of flying Falcon 9s, delivering the mission, you know, being successful, delivering these things into orbit, and then using when it was you know, opportune and you had enough fuel and time to do that, trying to return the rocket. Back in 2013, they had the hard impact on ocean, right? They didn't even have, they didn't use the drone ship. They just tried to light the engines and land on the ocean. Hit hard. It was not good. The rocket did not survive. Uh, 2014, they had the first soft water landing, but then in that same year, they had three different failures in testing for different reasons. In 2015, in January, their Falcon 9 came in way too fast because it ran out of hydraulic fluid. In t April of 2015, the rocket made it over the drone ship, came in, but there was a sticky throttle valve, and even though the land, the it landed flat on, it just had too much momentum, and it just kept tipping and tipping, and then rapidly, unscheduledly, uh, it had a rapid, unscheduled disassembly. In December of 2015, they had the first Falcon 9 landing on land. It was it was right near the launch pad, right off the coast of Florida. And it was amazing. It was even a, a night launch, so it, was, it made it really, really cool to watch. So right, they had that success, right? Oh great, they landed the first rocket, and there was a there was a crazy uh, explosion of excitement from that, right? Because it was the first time it had ever been done. And just before that, Blue Origin had landed their uh, New Shepard, so there was a competition happening that year, and they had just SpaceX just missed the very first one, but obviously, as as we've talked about before, those two rockets are completely different in their capabilities. Regardless, <laughs> to start 2016, right? So December, the end of the year, woohoo! To start the year, one of the landing legs collapses after landing, and it causes another RUD. And in March of that year, a few months later, the landing burn failed, so it wasn't able to successfully land. Came in way too fast. In April of 2016, they landed successfully on the drone ship for the first time. That. That whole time, and even before that, the amount of different Falcon 9s that they had destroyed in testing, it is a heap, a heap of dead Falcon 9s <laughs> that, uh, that failed. And if, if they looked at uh, a rocket blowing up as a failure, there's no way they'd still be around. So it, it just points to the fact that failure is not a part of... You know, it doesn't ruin SpaceX. It doesn't put them in the ground. It doesn't make, you know, even though there are people out there that don't understand what they're doing and see the failure, it doesn't matter because they're learning from these failures. And that's that's one of the great things that SpaceX kind of shows that's not necessarily science-related, but it's something you can apply to your life, right? Those failures were data-gathering opportunities, right? They were an opportunity for every launch that they had that they could have a successful mission, right? 
be you know, added into, hey, we're, we got paid. <laughs> we got paid for the mission. We delivered our stuff to orbit. And then we get to test something and see if it works. And they did this for years. And it's, it's, it took a lot of failures to make it work. But that is the way they think. And if you, if, if you test hard enough to push the system or yourself, and, and then you have clear goals on, on what is your success, then you can really apply this to life. And you can have the progress that SpaceX is having right now at such a rapid pace in an industry that is historically slow uh, to approach. But again, I mean, it took them three years and a ton of Falcon 9s uh, before they figured it out. Because it was the first time anyone did it, right? And with the Starship, they showed that they really understand re-entry and they were able to do a completely new re-entry than they've ever done before you know the falcon 9 doesn't re-enter like the starship the falcon 9 comes in with the bottom of the rocket faced down so that the fuel is always uh, being pushed in the right direction so it, it's a different it's a completely different fuel setup uh, and this maneuver to go from vertical to perpendicular to take away the speed as it comes back in and then push it down that was a brand new thing. So having the header tank work, even remotely at all, to get those engines to fire, that was a success. But what they learned was that th their theory of, hey, let's have this fuel tank up top and try and relight it, only partially worked. So now they can take that data and know that we can control which where we're going to land the rocket. Now we just got to get that speed down. And if you look at the big, huge equation of how do you make Starship work, they have learned so they have learned that what they see as the equation is so close so close and all they've got to do is adjust if they can figure out that pressure differential in the the rocket and make sure that there's enough pressure so that those raptor engines can fire they're ready to go they've they've got this figured out and that's why elon musk is tweeting things like mars here we come you know and and it's it's a an amazing thing just to see the influence it's had on people. You know, I've I, I, a lot of different friends in the space industry after doing this podcast and just being online and talking with people, you know, to see Zach Hall be, you know, completely change his life to follow in the space industry and being there in Boca Chica watching and being a part of those crowds that are watch in South Texas watching the development of this new rocket to send people to Mars. I mean, the amount of hope and and passion and excitement there is uh, around this Starship test. And to have it go so excitingly. I mean, I don't think there's a better... I, I, don't, I think blowing up the rocket at the end is the best thing you can do for the excitement of, of SN8. And it's unfortunate that we don't have, you know, that now famous rocket to have left. The remains are there. And there's even people talking to Elon online about saying that they should... That those remains should be kept and and uh, be a part of history. I mean, you see the, 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 the great parallel here is the image of Elon Musk at the Falcon 9. I think it was in the 2016 era. One of the sensors failed, and the rocket went up and just uh, lost all throttle, turned around and blew up in the sky. It landed, and Elon went there with his team to see what happened look what actually happened to the debris and learn as much as you can he did the same exact thing with sn8 you are learning from these failures and if we can take that away from this if if we can stop seeing failures as the end-all be-all like you fail once you're done it's all over 
and look at it as just another opportunity to gather data and build off of what happened before so you don't make that same mistake anymore. I, I, it's, it's a totally different mindset and perspective to have. So that that is really what I wanted to come on here today to discuss with you guys. So thank you for, for joining us. We'll keep this one short. For everyone that has been following and reaching out about this, I have not forgotten about the Arecibo telescope and the collapse and talking about what happened in Puerto Rico. There's, there's plenty of stuff to discuss and, and I have a lot of notes on it, but I still need to do more research before I, I really talk about it. Obviously, we're going to talk about it, but uh, I just want to let you know I haven't forgotten. I'm, I'm still looking for astronomers or scientists that either worked at Arecibo or with it or, or are willing to talk about it in general. So uh, if you know anyone, please help me connect with them, and we'll have them on the podcast, and we'll be able to talk about that more in depth because I, I really want to get their perspective. Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing for me to come on here and share my thoughts, but for something like this, I'd rather have someone who's an expert uh, talk about it. And if not, we'll do an episode covering everything that happened. I kind of want to look back at the history of where we got ourselves to this point. I think it's a perfect episode for the balance, you know, and I'll leave it there. <laughs> I'll leave it there. But I hope you are doing okay. I hope you're hanging in there. Uh, end of the year, it's going to be a little crazy as, as we go through. I know I'm doing my best just to, just to keep it together. Uh, for me, it's been having some kind of uh, a ritual, a kind of a habit that I'm doing every single day. It kind of keeps me going. You guys have been following along. I'm doing more stuff to keep, to keep myself healthy. Doing uh, Obviously, we talk about planks on the Instagram at Today in Space Pod. Um, and, the, and the workout that I'm doing to rehab my own body. Um, and that's it. I mean, quick update from COVID. I'm still doing good. Uh, smell is still not 100% back, which is very strange. It, it, it feels like it is, but then there's some things where I'm like, I should be able to smell that. So uh, it's hard to know when you lost your smell completely whether it's, it's completely back. So doing well with everything that's going on. I know here in Massachusetts, our... our cases are spiking like crazy so please 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 just find good habits if you want any advice on that just reach out today in space pod today in space podcast at gmail.com uh and of course today in space on on uh, tiktok so just be safe be well uh and we'll be back for more episodes in today in space spread love spread science we'll see you next time Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Many intergalactic greetings to you, my friends.